Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. Bachelor. And welcome back to the (laughs) Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelor in Paradise podcast that asks the question, whose idea was it to call this show The Bachelor and not by its far superior name, Big Sexy? (laughs) That could take off. It's pretty good, right? I like it. Yeah, I would watch that show. Uh, I'm Max Quinn. My Buller Boy always and forever is Xavier Rebetsky Noonan. Xavier, say hi. Hello. I'm really glad that you just kind of looked at me and we didn't have to say anything and we both just burst into a buller. <laughs> like, it's been so long, uh, <laughs> but it's somehow just deep-seated in there. Yeah. It's routine, it's tradition, and making her first appearance on the BOH pod, she is, in my opinion, the country's most, uh, if you know, you know, batchy blogger. She is uh, music and portraiture photographer to the stars. She's only bloody Adelaide royalty. Lauren Connolly is here. Hello, Lauren. Bula, bitches! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, This is very much a privilege uh, for me. So, yeah, I'm very excited. Oh, we are super stoked to have you. Thrilled. Yeah, I just, like, I think first I'm so glad that we were able to substitute our annual IRL hang uh, talking shit at Splendor in the Grass to to now this far superior hang where we get to talk <laughs> shit about uh, the people on the TV. <laughs> yeah. At least we can uh, talk about this without people judging us. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Do you feel the urge to, like, get the camera out and just take photos of different angles of the TV? <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> We'll talk about my screenshot selections a little bit later, maybe. (laughs) Yes, please. I would love some more insight on that. But first, I just want to know, how the hell are you? Are you going okay? I'm actually really good. Um, You know, all things considering, uh, the pandemic has actually been quite kind to me. (laughs) So I know that, um, you know, I'm in Adelaide, obviously, so South Australia um, has been a little bit... uh, uh, Things are pretty much kind of back to normal here, Um, I've obviously taken some time off from doing photos because uh, that kind of all went away. And I also lost my other job, which was in a mm-hmm. pub. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm actually um, – I've just been working to open a little studio space, workspace, um, in the last couple of months, and that's almost ready to go. So, yeah, it's actually been really good. That's kind of cool. great. Look, uh, maybe the first thing that we should do off the top then is, like, how can people – Get in touch with you if we want to buy your work, if we want to secure your services for photography, portraiture, live music, etc. How do we find you? Uh, what do our listeners? What do our listeners do? Uh, well, if you just want to go straight on the website, you can just type in lala.photo into your web browser. That will take you to my website and hit me up on the Insta, which is underscore lalaphoto. That's it. 
And the other thing I want to do right off the top is give you the opportunity to just sort of uh, explain to our listeners what it is that you do within the the world of Batchy, because it brings such joy to my newsfeed like two or three times a week. I described you as our most like, if you know, you know, guest. So <laughs> yeah. like, let's get to know what happens each and every time an episode airs. Well, um, my first foray into Bachelor uh, writing, I guess, um, was when it first started, you know, first season, obviously, Tim, old mm-hmm. Tim and Anna. Um, mm. But back in that time, I was actually running a live Facebook commentary as opposed to what I do now, which is a recap. Um, that was purely for my friends on Facebook who were watching at the same time as me. Um, and it proved to become very popular amongst people on my Facebook feed, even people that didn't watch the show would start tuning into the commentary because it was so funny. Um, but eventually I ended up getting a night job, so I wasn't <laughs> able to watch The Bachelor Life. Yeah, life so gets in the way. Life gets in the way. So I started, um, yeah, just writing a little recap um, the day after and it kind of, that kind of took off and it's just a lot easier to do than a live thing because I just can't be there every night. So, yeah, yeah. the recaps have definitely taken off and I just <laughs> haven't made them very... I do put them on public, but it is very specific to my Facebook friends and uh, I, there's been many suggestions that I should be publishing them, but I don't know. I kind of like it that it's just a small audience. <laughs> right. It's kind of like – it's kind of this thing where um, once I got to know you and became aware that you were doing this thing, it seems like there's this whole community that's formed around the writing that you do amongst your friends and you know your, yeah. uh, the people who tune in for you on public you yeah. know, and I almost find the same thing with this podcast where there are people who don't watch the show mm. who listen to the pod and it's just this wild thing where this Bachelor universe is so, like, all-encompassing. Do you like the show? I, yeah, I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, definitely have, <laughs> I definitely have some gripes with the show, I would yeah, say. Yeah, um, yeah. And that really just comes down to casting and... Um, maybe how Channel 10 perceives what the audience wants. Mm-hmm. We can maybe get into that a little bit later. I don't know. Certainly, <laughs> I yeah. I have a feeling it'll come up. <laughs> I think it'll come up. I want to give the listeners just a little sample of some of your writing. I pulled this from your oh, most God. recent recap. Yeah. Uh, in which you said, it's been at least 12 hours since anyone arrived on the island, so of course, Osher drops another lady in, and it's Jessica. Who? Another alumni who barely had any camera time. Jessica was an intruder on Matt Agnew's season and got sent home immediately because she has tattoos and is an all-caps bad bitch. It's Way true. too bad for Matt, mm. astrophysicist Agnew. Jessica is like Jessica Rabbit, but with tats. Yeah. This true. is what we come here for. Mm. Yeah, um, you've definitely picked a safe passage of text. (laughs) 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 It definitely does get uh, a bit more M15 plus rated. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Look, we're we're certainly getting a little bit more towards uh, towards icy dead people. Towards what are some other M15 movies? Ooh, um, not Hannibal. That's R. That's was my first R movie. I do. I really do have to censor myself. Um, I have to say because with a small with a small audience, and especially because they're my friends, I just feel like I can say whatever I want. Yeah, and I for actually sure. in I think in that recap, I wrote something, and I was like, "Yeah, I can't put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to even say what it was." But I was just like, "Yeah, I'm going to rethink that one." You know? Yeah, and like uh, having that ability to uh, censor yourself, I think, is important, and it's important for us on the podcast as well as we engage in these conversations. But also being real and relatable is part of what 
the audience uh, wants and expects from you, probably in your professional life as well as a photographer behind the yeah, camera. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, and I want to say, like, we're talking at a weird time for um, Australian music photography and Australian Big music time. in general, mm. you know, and, like, uh, in the interest of not getting sued for defamation, I don't think we're going to go too heavy into that on the podcast, but we all come from that world. And I think it's worth saying that as someone who's been photographed by you, Lauren, uh, listeners, we listen to a big dog, you know, like lead by example, (laughs) professional, like what I admire about your work is that you take no shit and you always prioritize the comfort and safety of your subjects and go and like above and beyond to meet the brief. I just wanted to make that point up up the top that, you know, uh, as we, go through it will become evident to you that we have a legit pro on the line and we (laughs) like i don't know i'm sure we'll get plenty of insight about how your life works behind the camera and how it is being edited and stitched together bachelor of hearts is a legends only podcast (laughs) (laughs) scumbags not invited (laughs) except Uh, me i I snuck in early I just can't believe that I'm on a podcast that's had Alicia and Vanessa Sunshine on. Like, <laughs> I'm m- mind blown. Hey, you should see the people who've left us on red in Instagram DMs. <laughs> <laughs> um, you brought her up. Let's let's talk about maybe one of the biggest pieces of news to come out of this week. Alicia mm-hmm. Aiken Radburn is back to paradise. Oh, thank God. There's only so long we can have Mary commentating this season. <laughs> <of Bachelor Paradise. laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, she's a former Bachelor of Hearts guest. She is one of our funnest uh, recap episodes from Matt Agnew season and very good at keeping a secret, I might add. True. She did not breathe a word of it to us, despite being in our discussion Facebook group and, you know, pretty frequent DMer of us too. Well, so this is the thing. I would say maybe we are more frequent DMers of her than the other way around. <laughs> okay, maybe fair. Maybe but, better uh, to say. Like we were, we ended up. I was talking to her the other week, and I did not see this coming. Fully had my blinders up, and I was, I was talking to her. I was like, "Oh, how's your life? You going good?" And she was like, "Oh, yeah, this has happened, and this has happened." And I was like, "Oh, that's sick. That's you know, cool news. Good for you." None of which is to mention that she has been on the TV show that we talk about all the time. <laughs> but probably, if I had put the um, put the dots together, I would have been like. This is a coded way of saying that you're on paradise. Mm. But yeah. me, blind is up. You and I did a, a Zavi, a prediction show before the season started <laughs> to talk about how likely it was. And I was like, zero out of 10. Yeah, She's done. Not She's not. Happen. We're one and done. What's to be gained? How could there be another Jules in existence? So, right. what mm. other, co- like, I'm trying to think who on the island would she be down with now? Who's on? Yeah. Okay. And I can't I'm- think. I am desperately hoping, because there are a couple of people from these first two episodes who have been sitting in the background, mm-hmm. I am desperately hoping that my man, Naranga... Oh, yes, oh, please. Who has had about... some airtime. Right. He's had about, pro- <laughs> like, three lines of dialogue in those two episodes. Yeah. But it seems like every time we hear from Naranga, he's kind of got something a bit clever or a bit funny to say. Like, in yeah. his premiere episode of Angie Kent's season, it's like one line from Naranga, but it's the killer line that sums up the moment that he's talking about with, it must have been that awful Jess from Noosa. Um, oh, boy. Look, I'd almost buried Fingers that. crossed. <laughs> oh, God. I can't even remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um so, yeah, uh, Alicia is coming, going already two episodes in. Let's cover this off, too. Abby Chatfield is out. Two episodes, <sighs> zero roses. Mm. I'm not stoked about it. We can talk through all the drama, but I just I just want to gauge a level of surprise and upset, I guess, off the top. Uh, who would like to go first? 
I mean, I'll jump in. I think we've made our position on Abby pretty clear, which is that we think she's kind of a sick legend. Abby's cool. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's certainly like, it's it's one thing that's interesting to me is that she has been almost front and center on every billboard and every advertisement, every bit of marketing that they've done around it, um, which obviously they knew that she was going to last about 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe it's just that shock of that bait and switch or something that they're going for, but... Um, you know, there's there's thousands and thousands of like Abby fans, like specifically Abby fans. She's got her own podcast. She's kind of got her own like world. Um, who are probably feeling a little steamed right now. Sure, oh, absolutely. I actually think Abby in general, like her bachelor case, if I so to speak, is really interesting. A case file. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, she was. In her season with Matt, she was really made out to be the villain type. Um, And, you know, as we know, uh, you know, when she got dumped at the end, she was savage and I think we all loved it. Like, we did love that. Um, And then obviously uh, post-Bachelor, you know, she has made her own thing. We all realise that she's not the person she was portrayed as. And Mm. it's actually really fascinating to me that they've kind of just done that again almost in Bachelor in Paradise. Right. When... You know, we're not stupid. The viewers are not stupid. <laughs> we know what's going on outside of Bachelor. We see it on Instagram and things like that. Um, yeah, I was very shocked that she went home so early, um, but it didn't really surprise me because what better way to start off a Bachelor in Paradise than to savagely kick out the chick who got dumped in the last season. Right. Right. True. Yeah, like in terms of it being good drama, it was good drama. I will say that as if I was a producer on that show, I would be sorely disappointed that we're losing such a um, pivotal character to the franchise so early. With that said, you know, um, the, the stakes as, as they lay were uh, Abby or Brittany. And either way, you're losing something incredibly, incredibly valuable to the franchise um, and Absolutely. to Bachelor in Paradise mm. in particular. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I guess I want to dovetail into a sort of grander thesis statement of these first two episodes. Okay. Which I think, like, obviously Bachelor in Paradise is the show where contestants who have been on the show before can sort of reconsider the way that they behaved or the way that they were sort of portrayed on the show and they can kind of go, oh, that was a bit much or, oh, I was pushing that a bit hard or something. And it's an opportunity for them to go, let's do something different. Mm -hmm. But I think what has happened, at least as far as these first two episodes go, is everyone is slotted in pretty neatly into their same kind of archetypes that they had before. Yeah. I'm disappointed, honestly. Mm. Mm. I think it's like... I mean, we could see a lot of change over the course of the next few episodes. Um, and obviously the first little bit will have a lot of table setting and a lot of reminding you of who these people are and that kind of thing. But to see, like, you know, take somebody like Mary, who is mostly a commentator, I think, on her original season and less yeah. of seemingly a romantic interest or whatever, kind of just filling the same role again. Yeah. It was very interesting. Yeah. Naranga, who got skipped over originally, is now being Skipped over again. Right. I, so uh, my thought on that is that at the moment, you're absolutely right, we're setting the table. Uh, and I wonder if it is the thing where, like, you, the second time you're on the show, you play up to the archetype that the audience knows you for because that is what you have been told and shown that you are. And I wonder if there's something yeah. a little bit psychological to that. Mm. Uh, but I also hope that there are people coming into this show with the idea that I can have a redemptive 
arc, yeah. you know? And I think we're starting to see, uh, I think we're starting to see it with Glenn, for example, who uh, I think had a strong second episode uh, after not being prominently featured at all the first time around. And yeah. then th- as far as it goes the other way, I think that some people like, like I think Kieran might have entered this show feeling a little bit bulletproof, whereas I can see a situation playing out in which mm. some of those threads start to get tugged at a little bit and mm-hmm. a bit more of a villainous edit comes out for a beloved naughty boy. Mm. Mm. Yes, he is mm. naughty, isn't he? He's a naughty boy. <laughs> right. That which we boy. were very happy to overlook, perhaps originally, or uh, you know, see the other sides of him. Yeah. There are still the first sides, maybe. Yeah, there are some. There are some sides that. Uh, I mean, we've seen all sides of Kieran, and um, maybe it's time to pay attention. <laughs> well, we did kind of get screwed out of Kieran in his Bachelorette season because True. he left early. So you know. We all had the assumption that he was, you know, a really lovely guy who kind of got hard done by it. Yeah. And now that we are really seeing maybe the real side, you know? I don't know. Yeah. And, like, I think what's happening is that we're getting the chance uh, for the show to really play with the archetype of Kieran and, interestingly, also with Tim, who, Mm -hmm. yes, has slotted back into the role that he had before, but I think that there has been maybe more of a conscious choice made, whether it's his choice or whether it's the edit's choice, to continue down this same path but not show not show the stitches, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, the other news that I want to touch on right before we go into the episode recap, uh, some sad news coming out of Bachelor the World. We mentioned Tim as the runner-up of Angie Kent's season. The winner was Carlin, and unfortunately Carlin and Angie are... Dunzo. It was revealed a few weeks ago that they had unfollowed each other on Instagram. It's the kiss of death. There were no more stories, no more sponsored posts. Here's my question. Was this relationship a casualty of coronavirus? It was such an interesting scenario and it feels a little perverse to like speculate, I guess, but Mm -hmm. it was very interesting. curious I guess is the word to see how it played out because there were so many rumors swirling around like is this couple still together and they seemed a little hesitant to directly address it but I think they probably still had some uh, obligations to sponsors and that sort of thing to kind of you know tie up loose ends or whatever maybe yeah Um, and yeah I mean it is this time of coronavirus and quarantine has really taken a lot of effects on a lot of people and has me thinking about you know the the way that we're watching a tv show right now bachelor in paradise that was taped like six months ago sure and the idea that they're trying to sell to us is that there will be happy couples at the end of it who may still be together to me that sounds like uh a challenging (laughs) prospect um so yeah i mean it's such a high pressure situation for a couple to be in already. And they are already under a certain form of quarantine. I think if they are a couple that comes out of the show being in a couple, um, that the, the added stresses of, you know, all this (laughs) waves (laughs) arms around. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's hard to imagine, um, anyone coming through that situation for the, you know, better off or, yeah, especially in your relationship. But, uh, you know, I will be completely honest. I really don't follow anyone after the show's over. Like, yeah. I, I kind of just let Healthy. the media... 
give me that info um, because I don't really, I just don't really care. Like yeah. after yeah. the show's over, I just don't really care. Um, You're nothing to me. Cut and run. That's it. And you know, honestly, like I, I don't want to. Tra- uh, I don't want to sound um, cynical, <laughs> but um, you know, for me, Angie and Colin was just a big advertisement. It <laughs> seemed like it, didn't it? So, you know, again, like I said, I don't actually follow them on Instagram or anything like that, so I'm really only seeing sponsored things. Um, Mm. But I think the reality TV, just in general, uh, the broader sense, like um, the reasons why people go on these shows, I think maths is a good example. Yeah. Um, There's not really – it's not really about being in love. It's about what you get afterwards. So, Mm. yeah, like I said, forgive me for being cynical, but um, I don't know if coronavirus was the reason for that. Uh, break up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, at a certain point, you've got to fulfill your love contract and get out. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I think it is time to dive into our episode recap. A uh, big hello to anyone who is here for the first time joining us. The way that it'll work is we'll talk through what happened in the episodes. I think for episode two, what I'd like to do is look at it couple by couple. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah rather than follow a linear narrative because this show is stitched together in such a peculiar way that you sort of like are here on this date and then you're over here and then you're back here and then you... So I think it makes more sense for us as a rule for this season generally to take it couple by couple um, or in the case of, you know, um, people who are on the outside, you know, uh, third wheel by third wheel. And or should any thruples or quadruples arise, <laughs> yeah, sure. you know, we'll, we'll play to that as it comes. Yep, yep. Well, look, we're all about playing it where it lays here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. And it is time to recap Bachelor in Paradise, Australia, Season 3, Episode 1. And welcome to a little <laughs> slice of the South Pacific by way of some marimba rhythms and friend of the pod, Osher Ginsberg. Can we call him friend of the pod? Uh, <laughs> debatable. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is aware of the podcast. Yes. Look, he's look. He's here. He knows. He's not outwardly antagonistic <laughs> towards the podcast. He's actually also aware of my recaps. Uh, hey. Yes. Thanks to a mutual friend of ours, Lindsay McDougall. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is right. Uh, more romance, more drama than ever before promised to us on the picturesque Fijian beach front. And it is a massive welcome back to Tim Hanley, who says he is surely not the first one in. But lo and behold, here we are, cheersing the pot plants, unbuttoning our shirt, <laughs> being the best. Fuck, I'm excited for more Tim on my TV. Don't forget the smooching on the swinging bench. Oh, my God. The smooching <laughs> on the swinging bench. There's so much. Like, is, is this – we talked about um, this presenting as a risk for some people to come back on the show because yeah. their stock is at an all-time high. Yeah. Is this even a risk for Tim? No, absolutely not. No. No. Nah, no way. I can't believe he uh, isn't The Bachelor, honestly. Oh, my God. Mm. Like, what a missed opportunity. It really – you know, to be honest, he might, he might have been asked to do it and said no. But yeah. I think it would be a bit weird if that happened and then he said no to that and then went on Paradise. But, um, right. you know, in terms of uh, Lockie from Survivor being the new Bachelor, like, well, let's see how that goes. But mm. give the people what they want. Right. Maybe he wants to do Paradise over and over and over again. That's oh. my only guess. As opposed to doing a one-and-done Bachelor season. Yeah, totally. It's like that Wells Adams thing from the US season where he's now just like the guy behind the bar. Yeah. Like, in three <laughs> yeah. years' time, if Tim is serving cocktails in paradise 
and getting his own little side plots, I'm here for it. I'm fine with that. Whatever this man wants, he should be able to have. Next, she was, quote, dumped on a rock in Africa. She is best known for being, quote, very horny. Abby Chatfield is back. She seems to be the only person to meet Osha at the gates as we enter Fiji. I'm detecting a distinct lack of Osh to start. I noticed that too. Yeah. Um, It's heartbreaking. Yeah. (laughs) Why are we being robbed of these beautiful Hawaiian shirts? Yeah, I don't know. And I've got to say, um, his outfit choices that in the first couple of episodes aren't really um, weather appropriate. A lot of suits. <laughs> like, put yeah. him in some shorts, for God's sake. This is on an island. Yeah, I mean, like, if we can... Um, there's a lot of men's fashion to deconstruct generally, I think, with this series. And I'm not sure that anybody outside of Osha and Tim particularly get it right. Mm. But, like, <laughs> the traditional Osha look of, like, Hawaiian camp collar shirt... It's a bullish uh, shirt. Sorry. A bullish shirt. No, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the bullish shirt, the like uh, cream chinos and a pair of loafers. Mwah. Mm. Oh, you're you know, into it, yeah. Timeless. I mean, he looks great. Right. Uh, I My think, theory, yeah. not to jump in, this jump. show has obviously been held back for quite some time. It's now airing in winter. One might yes. assume that they've digitally inserted suits onto him <laughs> so as to see more matching <laughs> with the weather in which it's being broadcast. <laughs> so Abby tells Osha that things are chill now and she's stoked to be surrounded by hot lads and that in particular she wants to meet sweet English Kieran. Lauren, mm-hmm. you're surrounded by hot lads. Oh, all the time. <laughs> Do you just mean on this podcast? Oh, yeah, right now. <laughs> right now. Uh, in my everyday life, you know. <laughs> uh, how do you... How did you foresee things going for Abby? Uh, you know, I thought that things for Abby might go well. Um, mm. She's a popular entity. Uh, she's obviously, like, they've obviously got communications and stuff outside of bachelor um between the seasons so i thought you know once you said kieran you kind of assume that maybe something on the outside perhaps has already happened to right lead into that um so yeah i was just like you know oh yeah abby yeah like it's this thing of how the outside affects the inside we have a buller banquet later which we'll get to um, mm-hmm. But a lot of that is, and even some of the chat in episode two surrounds like people sliding into other people's DMs. It's sort of like the um, outside alliances coming into play inside yeah. the, uh, the the mansion. Kind of like the you know, the precursor, almost yeah. like give me the rose. You know, yeah, it's a almost like bit. a I want, I'm going to want that rose if we get there. Right, right. a little maybe. bit of a um, yeah, a strategic. No. Strategy, maybe. Who knows? Right? You're doing a little bit of um, backroom dealing here. And I'm, mm. I kind of think that that's um, smart if you're doing it, and you should. But it also maybe leans into what we were talking about earlier of this idea of people playing their archetypes on TV with the fallback that, hey, guess what? I'm still going to get a rose from Naranga if I need it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Tim jumps out at Abby from behind the cabana. They're chatting. He's eating pineapple to make his semen taste better. <laughs> this is exactly why I love this man. Hey, if it's there, right? I heard they only have pineapple drinks on the island. Just oh, that's know. funny. <laughs> mm. Eleanor is next. You might remember her from last season. You might remember that she can't. She can't do this. She can't. I can't. And she's here to hook up with Glenn? Oh, that makes the perfect sense, though. 
Like, mm. the most boring people to come out of The Bachelor are together. That's, yeah, that's fine. Here's my question. What are we going to call them? Is it Glenella? Glen- <laughs> it's, it's hard. Glenella? Glenella. 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 <laughs> we now welcome Brit. She was one of two runners-up on the Honey Badgers season. The badge looms large mm. over BIP 2020. Do you think he'll ever come on? <sighs> Do you think they'd let him? Oh, they would. They'd love him. They'd absolutely let him. And the thing is, like, he would get around in his tradie-sponsored undies and everyone would just be like, <laughs> "What? okay, here's a decree. Um, this, this, is, this is what I think. Um, my, my personal rule... Uh, if they're wearing tradie uh, branded undies, I don't think I'm that inclined to to want to go there. <laughs> it's a firm no. It's a firm no from me, simply because of the brand that's association fun. with the badge. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Do you remember how they were airing ads for a while where they just cut out the badge part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, <laughs> it was in doing best interest. bad yeah. for the brand. It's doing more harm than good. <laughs> um, yeah, so Britt is here. She was one of two runners-up. Um, according to Tim, she is... Uh, famous and a stunner. And according to Brit, she is better and wiser. Yeah. So why is she here? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, to me, this is actually um, the biggest surprise package um, in terms of contestants. Yeah. Because if anyone, I thought Brit would definitely be able to get a good boyfriend outside of this franchise. Mm. Sure. She seems nice and kind. And certainly Sophie, we saw, uh, has ended up with someone off the show. I think so, yeah. Yeah, um, and outside of the Bachelor universe. Uh, this is just one of those things where uh, maybe you make a you make a financial choice and you also get to, you know, um, get some followers on your cool podcast with Laura, Maddie J's Laura. True, good well. podcast. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Shout out um, to their rival podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got to be diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see Brit this season. I want good things for her after what happened. Big and time. I think so far what we've seen is things kind of working out, which is great. She is, by all reports, a completely normal person. Yeah. Like, from everything that we're seeing, like, she's not doing, she's not, like, doing backflips for the cameras, <laughs> like, you know, like, she's behaving like you would want someone to, I guess. <laughs> right, on Paradise. And I think that it is important amongst all of the chaos to have an amount of normal, and I think that that is what Brit is going to bring. Yeah. It's bullet a Britney, bitch. Oh, thank God. <laughs> We've thank got God. a double Brit sitch. Here a Brit, there a Brit, everywhere a Brit Brit. <laughs> Hashtag free Britney. Fuck, I hope she finds love this year. Oh, which one? Uh, Britney. Spears? Our, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah also that. Mm. Yeah. I call, um, my, my name for her is Loco Britney. Loco Britney. Mm. Okay. Because she, you know, she's loco, but in the best way. Yep, yep. So Lala Photo likes Loco Britney. <laughs> That's yep. right. That's what yeah. we're doing here. Um, she describes Tim uh, as ding, 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 and then maybe also an extra ding. Didn't quite catch that. Um <laughs> Lauren, I'm wondering if you want to just make your case right now for Britney Bitch as the Bachelorette 2020. Well, what what do I even need to say? Uh, <laughs> again, again, this is a case of Channel 10, like listening to the people that watch this show. I feel like uh, we've watched this show long enough now. I mean, how many years has it been? Like six, seven years? So many years. Like, Too many. We've been, we've been watching for a long time and um, we're very sick of seeing hot people looking for love. Like, sorry, but are you really having that much trouble? Right. Yeah, Brit- come on. Brittany is the epitome of character. Yes. Mm. Don't we want to see normal and, you know, good looking, she's obviously good looking, but normal yeah. wacko people mm. 
mm. in dating norm, other normal wacko people. Right. Like, we want to relate to these people. Britney, we can all relate to, I feel. There's a bit of Britney in all of us. True. You know? She's, like, pure entertainment. Yeah. Like, she's an incredible show person. Is that the word? But also, she is so... Like, whenever the perfect, like, perfectly pitched humor and, uh, like, energy and dance and stuff, whenever there's, like, a crumble in that facade, she is also the most relatable and identifiable person that you ever see on the show. Right. She's got both. Yeah, like she does have that, and we'll talk about a little bit later about the show's responsibility to her and what happens when they turn around and like sort of like show the the sad clown. Um, But for the meantime, I am so stoked to have her in paradise once again. Here's Glenn, here's Naranga, here's Mary. All of them are given about as much attention as they were in their first season. Sorry, guys. So sorry. (laughs) It's bound to get better. Right. They're kind of used as uh, Abby bait because uh, Abby has placed all of her eggs in one British basket and we must wait in anguish until we can see his pristine tattooed bod. What's the go here? Justice for Naranga as well as Brittany. Yeah, I agree. Um, I actually am really annoyed by what we were talking about earlier, like Naranga not having any airtime. Mm. Um You know, we don't have many people of colour on the Bachelor franchise, you know, regardless. And Mm. especially in the climate that, you know, the political climate that we're having right now is obviously, like, uh, pretty intense. Read the room, Channel 10. Like, come on. I can only imagine they were feeling pretty uncomfortable the last couple of months knowing that they had this TV show up their sleeves where, I mean, it's maybe it's too soon to tell, but at least from the outset, um, you know, it's... perhaps an even worse job than usual, which is already something we complain about constantly in yeah. terms of representation, screen time, and, yeah. you know, even acknowledgement of uh, people of colour as, like, romantic possibilities. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, yep. right? Like, people of colour on the show, love it. Visibility is a big thing, and maybe here more so than in just about any other paradise, sadly, there is more physical visibility but there obviously needs to be more work done. You know, like this is surface level casting until such a point as Naranga is treated as an actual person with an actual personality rather than as like a tree, you know, part of the furniture. There are trees in Bachelor of Paradise that have had more screen time. (laughs) That is true. That are more of a character. She's like, oh, it's my old mate, the tree from before. And I'm like, this tree has a character arc. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Spanning two seasons. <laughs> but uh, they denutted Britney's tree. Well. <laughs> uh, flashback to uh, Janie, bullet dodger from Richie's season. Does anyone remember anything about her? Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah. I, I, ne- I needed that um, recap of her entrance to Richie to remember. I was really excited to see her come back in just because... They rarely... I don't think they dip back in that far into the past very often. Yeah. Um, And so that has the most potential for, like, growth or change or, you know, the exploration of other sides of that person simply didn't happen at all. did not happen (laughs) in any way. Even less of a... Because originally she was, like, her character type was, like, the ditzy weirdo who was obsessed with because she's like a children's oh, party right. entertainer yep. and planner yeah and so she was getting a lot of like little pizzicato like dinky plunky plunk, like strings because she's a, <laughs> a, a the, has the brain of a child i guess <laughs> um 
But even in this, they stripped away that characterization, and she was just someone who was there. Yeah. I physically really taking up very little space in the background, and that's about yeah. it. Yeah. I actually love that for her, though, because she knew straight away that no one had any idea who she was. Yeah. And I think that made her go, oh, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. I can, just, yeah. I can be the person I want to be. Right. And this yeah, is I someone... actually loved seeing her, yeah. She doesn't have to live up to that um, archetype, that personality type, because all. it was so long ago and no one remembers it. I think she came off very well. It's just like the show had nothing to do with her and nobody else there was like, I don't know, did they not watch Reducing? Like, yeah. you'd have to think, now that the show's been on the air for this many years, like there are people who consider themselves to be pretty in the know, yeah. but probably yeah. haven't watched season four. Yeah, you know? that's like four years ago at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, four years plus a pandemic. Fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, You've had plenty of time to catch up. Come on. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's another name. Jake Ellis. <laughs> Chills down my... <laughs> it's like someone poured a glass of cold water down my back. <laughs> Who brought Jake the snake back? God. Right, right. This is the thing. Tim says that he looks too much like Jamie Doran to be taken seriously. But here's the thing that uh, astounds me about Jake, right? His relationship with Megan was the longest relationship post-Paradise last time. Like, he is the most successful Paradise contestant Interesting. that we have in Australian Paradise history. That is unbelievable. That's our most successful man. Yeah, yeah. And he's back. <laughs> Didn't we hate him, though? Yes. I, I vaguely remember that we all hated him. So we hated him for these reasons. Number one, he was kind of with Flo, but then he was That's also right. kind of with Megan. And yes. then he was sort of uh, in a light way. Since since then, we've had Bill Michael Goldsmith, right, um, who did this to Florence also and Alex Nation in a much bigger, um, much more emboldened kind of way. Mm, yep. um, but this a couple of years ago was Jake just kind of being a bit of a fuck boy, you know, like trying to get it in with Flo and trying to get it in with Megan at the same time. And then finally being put on the spot and ending up with Megan and just sort of like letting Flo crash and burn. And we didn't like that. Not at all. There's another opportunity here for a redemptive arc, I guess. If yeah. he wants to show growth and, um, you know, reflection and that sort of thing. I will say he also got very, very little screen time. Yeah, um, on these episodes, so it remains to be seen what what's going on with him. Maybe he'll just go home. I don't know. I don't, it didn't really seem like anyone was really that keen on him being there when he got yeah. there either. You know, they were kind of like, "Oh, that guy." Who's that? <laughs> right, right. Nobody's like, "Oh, yeah." Right, and to that end, Abby has absolutely had it at this time with the state of the men. She says, "Paradise is dire. It's grim." Until finally, <laughs> Kieran is here, shirt off, pants off. Abby can't. Big hug from Tim. Bunch of reverse raisins in front of his shriveled prunes. And he says, Abby, <laughs> I bought you some grapes. I don't know if I like it. <laughs> well, she, she ran away, so right. it's quite clear that that was a bad move. Oh, well, I get that that's his thing. Yeah. Like, he's doing a callback to a moment of his. Yeah. But also, like, we remember you. Like, yeah. we don't need a reminder like that. You know? like, <laughs> if Jake Ellis walks in like that, <laughs> hey, maybe it's totally different. <laughs> that's Can worse. Can you imagine if... Uh, <laughs> God, I can't even remember his name. Glenn. If Glenn walked in yes. naked with a bunch of grapes, he'd just be like, okay, Weird. Glenn's come to play. Okay, all right. Um, Jake describes <laughs> it as the best entrance in Bachelor history. Um, does he just not remember the guy in Sophie Monk's season who came in and dabbed on everyone? 
And then he said, <laughs> what is it? He said, it's dabulous to meet you or something? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. look dabulous Yeah, you look dabulous. That's it. <laughs> God, that fucking <laughs> world. Give that guy a fucking gold medal. <laughs> what was his When's name? When's he coming on the island? <laughs> yeah, bring him back. You don't remember Hayden? Hayden. I have a framed oh. picture of him on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here's Cass from Adelaide. Um, I'm wondering if anyone remembers that Cass is a small business owner. <laughs> Did you know she's a jewelry designer? Yeah, I didn't know that. I don't know if I don't heard. <laughs> uh, Kieran describes her as a little maraca, you know, just a, a baby castanet, a tiny weeny tambril, an absolute sort. Uh, <laughs> and then, look, okay, well, fine. Uh, because now we're going to move past it because woof, woof, Barky boy, uh, it is time for the big dog. Here is Jamie Doran. The fire in the belly is brewing. He is the eyes and ears of the mansion. He is owning his neediness and his clinginess. Woof, woof, barky boy. (laughs) (laughs) What do we say about Jamie? I mean, there's so much to say about Jamie. I think that we should just start by saying I'm open to redemption here. I actually think he might get it. Um... I think, you know, and we'll probably talk about this more as we progress through the recap, but um, yeah. we're definitely seeing a different side to Jamie. A bit more self-awareness, for sure. I have to say, and I don't love this about myself, but I, I disagree and I just don't give a shit. Like, I just don't <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. Like, yeah. we're all going through enough right now. <laughs> I really don't need this as a source of discomfort in my life. And I know there are other people who feel the same way. Yeah. Just being like, his main thing is causing discomfort to the women on the show. <laughs> and I think putting him in an environment where there's more of them for him to do that and putting that in front of a lot of people uh, in the TV audience who are probably also going through some shit at the moment. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, can we do, can we, can he come back next year? Can we just have a nice one? What if we had a nice paradise? You know what I mean? Okay. You, so Couldn't what you want is Animal it? Crossing. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> truly, if they were just like gathering vegetables, like fruits from their trees and planting little, I haven't played Animal Crossing in a while. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> which, um, which animal on the island would you describe as big sexy? Mm. Hmm. Hmm. My character. <laughs> his name's Savior. He's really cool. <laughs> so Jamie describes Tim as his best mate, and Tim says to camera, "I think Jamie thinks I'm his best mate, but he's not my best mate." And once again, this is what we love about Tim. It's just like he's this magical narrator who is really deeply perceptive, and it's also used to illustrate that, like, this is what we remember about Jamie, where he's not quite that perceptive and while i say to you i'm open to uh i'm open to a redemptive arc i don't think it's going to come in the form of jamie being uh like a knight in shining armor for anyone i think it's more going to come in the form of jamie not being a dead shit you know (laughs) yeah Yeah, wait and see (laughs) okay i can't i can't help be a little pessimistic about it i mean his arrival on the island, everyone was a little bit like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Here we go. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I don't know what that means. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Like, I mean, so here's, here's what happens. Everyone's just kind of, as, exactly as you say, like, oh, my God, this dude's here. And over the top, we get this Frankenbite uh, where he says, I guess girls think I am a bit scary um, and expresses a desire to come across as 
more relaxed. So already you can see the show playing into the narrative, but also setting up what might be to come. Frankenstein's are scary. And getting bitten by one, <laughs> even scarier. So I get it. Yeah. Okay. Look, let's. Um, th- there's another one coming up in a second. So, do you want to talk for anyone who's new here? Uh, what's a Frankenbite? So, okay. So, obviously, we're talking about Frankenstein's monster, right. not the doctor. Yep. Okay. Um, no, a Frankenbite is when little clips of dialogue are sort of cut up and rearranged a la. The monster himself um, to you know make whatever point or construct whatever sentence that the uh, you know serves the objective of the producers of the show. I think that's fair. Right, it's a fair characterization. Right, and so my hot tip with this yeah. um, for for watching along at home is if you see the person saying those words to camera with their mouth, you can treat it as like a reliable source, but if not. It's a device of storytelling and a biased narration. So you can see the producers, there's more likelihood that they are stitching together words rather than those people saying those specific words at that specific time. Yeah, big time. And I actually think it's a lot more prominent this season or it seems a lot more obvious to me this time around. Definitely. Um, So we hear Kieran uh, and Tim broing out on the water. Mary returns as our sharp tongued, unreliable narrator, and Brittany says if she doesn't get a date this season, she's giving up on love. No. <laughs> don't, Brittany. <laughs> There's someone out there for you. <laughs> so Mary explains that while Abby is into Kieran, uh, Kieran is into Cass the Maraca from Adelaide, which is news to Abby, who uh, is given this obvious and really ridiculous Frankenbite here where she says, she better stay away from my man. <laughs> Osher is finally here That's some oh good news Thank Yeah, goodness. First date card of paradise And it is a two on one date We've never seen this before But it's pretty fun to start the season this way Yeah, why not? Yeah um, It's for Tim uh, Who will be going on a date with Brit Squared um, And at this point like, <laughs> I, I love this where he's like I just can't keep track of both of the names I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> We have to figure this out, you know Yeah um, So we should establish boundaries here Because um, Brit is... Honey Badger Brit and yep. Brittany is Loco Brittany. Or Brittany, otherwise known as Litney. I Litney. Think that's, her, mm. that's her own nickname she's given herself. Um, so Conga Brittany says a bunch of funny shit to camera, including. Can I just say something? Yeah. I thought of a funny joke. Okay, all right. Well, no, no, no. Let's clear the runway. Um, if you're. If you're. Lo- if, you, if you're. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> if you're. If you're on a two-on-one date with two Brits and you can't tell which one's which, you should perform a litmus test. A, bri- a, lit- oh. a litmus test. Oh. It's a, you can use a litmus test. I- <laughs> That's the kind of test you would use. So this is where Brittany uh, doubles down on these exact kind of jokes, Save You guys um- can find the five-star rate and review button uh, in whatever podcast app that you're using. Um, just let me know by DMs if you enjoyed uh, on social media. So she says, call the rose ceremony because Brittany is getting a rose. Uh, the rose ceremony called. They want their rose back. <laughs> um, oh, God bless her. Meanwhile, Osher reveals that the men have the power this rose ceremony, meaning that they will hand out the roses and that one woman, 
or as it turns out, two women, will in fact go home. And Osha also now invites the rest of the contestants to the Bulla Banquet, a traditional Fijian ceremony mirroring the French uh, bonjour breakfast and also the Australian fucking feast day. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> the Australian all-you-can-eat pizza hut restaurant. <laughs> hey, we've still got one of those in Adelaide. Hey, oh, I am um, the place to be. <laughs> Those borders are open, right? <laughs> right? Uh, no, no, oh, no, no, <laughs> not to you. <laughs> no, I think this is going to be a staple of this season, where like the paradises will submit anonymous questions to each other to be read out and answered at this uh, Buller banquet, which I think they've basically taken from the Married at First Sight dinner party. Mm. They have, um, yeah. And honestly, that it's a good decision. It's- yeah. It's a very dramatic centrepiece of that show. So, perfect. Steal it. I think that's a great idea. I yeah. reckon they could go one step further and make it a full My Kitchen Rules scenario. Okay. Where they have to cater the whole banquet. <laughs> they have to, like, theme the room and the tables and yeah. set dressing and stuff. Yeah. Everyone's like, Tim, this pineapple sauce that you've got is delicious. <laughs> Can we have uh, Melissa in the back just giving the scores as well? Absolutely. For the MasterChef people. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so we do land at the Buller Banquet. We're asking anonymous questions of each other. The stakes are that Abby wants to be with Kieran, Mary wants to be with Glenn, Glenn wants to be with Eleanor, and nobody wants to be with Jamie because he's 40 years old. Mm. Now, yeah. Xavier, you're 40 years old. <laughs> as a 40-year-old. Do you think this was fair as a 40-year-old? Look, there's nothing I love more than somebody who's 15 years younger than me. <laughs> I've said it my whole life. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, as... <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um, uh, what's, the, what's the rule here? Is it, do we go with the Parks and Recreation thing of half your age plus seven? Does that make that appropriate? So, so 27 is Jamie's limit? Yeah, look, I honestly think um, if you're... Uh, over 25, you yeah. can definitely make that decision and not feel bad about it. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, you're an adult. However, yeah. of you know, when you're 25, probably don't want to date a 40-year-old. That's just how it goes. And yeah. I think if you're a 40-year-old who is getting a pretty firm no from someone who is in their mid-20s, you should be able to be pretty perceptive about that and right. maybe take yeah. your foot off the gas pretty quickly. Right, 100%. Yeah. They haven't really given Jamie anyone around his age to no. like, really hang out point. with. Yeah. The thing is, it's actually illegal to put a woman over the age of 35 on television. Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. It's against the law because mm-hmm. it causes people to just like vomit and shrivel up and die <laughs> if they have to look it at... me up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, look, um, I, I, I mean, um, uh, Lorena Fleur is in her 30s. Rachel Gvignon uh, from Perth, uh, two paradises in a row. Could we make this three? She's in her mid-30s, still looking for love, I believe. Um, Kira, I think, also is in her 30s, question mark. Hey, uh, there, there are some options, as it turns out. Jake says that the Buller Banquet is the best idea that he's ever heard. Here's an idea, Jake. Leave. <laughs> Just fuck and off already. You mean we get to have dinner? Oh, yum. Uh, and then He's been eating like lime wedges out of his cocktails. <laughs> uh, and then Glenn uses his first opportunity on camera to say this. Makeup sex is the best on earth. 
And all of a sudden, it just it made sense to me why Glenn has not been given that much camera time so far. I'm surprised he's not a virgin. I was like, hey. whoa, what? <laughs> Glenn, Is you know, uh, Sorry, Glenn. I think, no, I think that's what's to be assumed of anyone on the show who doesn't speak, you know, um, that they are a sexless virgin. If you are on the show, you've never been given any camera time. Clearly you've not fucked a day in your life. You're there to gather information. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe Poppy Cherry. Who knows? Right. You never know. You never know. Um, so we're introduced to Kieran and Renee as a dynamic here. So Kieran is Kieran. We know Kieran. And Renee was on Matt's season, and they were together. This is going to play out in episodes coming, but I'm unclear on the timeline, so I don't know whether this happened before or after their seasons. Or Does anyone know? Not sure. I think uh, that might actually be coming out in uh-huh. this uh, next bombshell episode that we've been seeing on the promos. Yeah, so uh, Kieran says that he cheated on Renee during their relationship, which is a big problem for... Cass, the Maraca from Adelaide, who now really likes Kieran, but is also friends with Renee on the outside from their season. So mm. um, here's, here's where it gets interesting, because Cass says that she doesn't want to be involved in any drama sure. on Paradise. You have come to the wrong place, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Nice Island is over here. You are in Paradise, where everything goes wrong. Um, Literally, like whenever... Someone is applying for the show. They should have, like, in one hand, the documents, the application form, whatever you yep. know, thing you have to sign. And then in the other hand, they should just have a Nintendo Switch with Animal Crossing and be like, you might be thinking of this. <laughs> this might be what you thought <laughs> this was going to be like. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're also introduced to um, this game, Friend, Marry, Kiss. Has anyone played this? I think this is a popular game at parties. I've heard of is something this? like this. We are, I've definitely played a more R-rated version of this game. <laughs> <laughs> so we learn that uh, Glenn and Eleanor will likely be a thing, with Mary looking on from the sidelines. And we also see Abby reveal that she would marry Kieran, while Kieran says that he wants to marry Cass and simply kiss Abby. Ouch. Ouch. Mm. Ouch. Yeah. So this is where we also start to get into a bunch of like manufactured petty shit, where the TV show wants it to look like... There are two women fighting over a man and, you know, like there's so much of it that I don't really know whose perspective or what to trust. But what I think we can see is like obviously there's some ill will between Cass and Abby, probably on both sides. Um, I I just want to like call out some pretty obvious editing that is, you know, maybe making this out to be a little bit more than it is, although it's definitely clear that there's a rivalry there. You know, like, I, it's one of those things where, like, the show kind of goes out of its way to show, like, these two women fighting over a dude, and it's kind of like, is it to the extent that you are telling me that it is, or is this a divisive drama? Mm. And that's yeah. the question that I have here. Off we pop to the Brit on Brit on Tim date. There's cocktails, there's a band, there is dancing. All of it is entertaining. Uh, Tim dances with each of the women. Brittany uh, says the phrase, awkward turtle. Uh, in, a, in a flashback to 2012. I love that I've never heard the words awkward turtle without the accompanying hand gesture. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, and it's also clear that uh, Brit and Tim have a bit of a thing here. Like we get the romance strings, we get the major key. I- I'm wondering, you know, we see it play out a little bit in the next episode too. Uh, what do you think here? Like is Tim honey badger enough for Brit? Is Brit Angie enough for Tim? Can this go the distance? Hmm, it's pretty hard to say. 
<clears throat> because um, I think we can all agree Tim's a bit of a character um, that could potentially get tiring after a period of time. Mm. Um, having said that, um, you know, opposites do attract and, you know, Tim seems pretty overwhelmed by Brit, so, yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah, he keeps talking about how beautiful her eyes are and she does seem to be, like, uh, have a less chaotic energy than even Angie, you know? Like, she just seems to have this sort of calming, serene presence. Um, So I am cautiously optimistic when it comes to this because I think that Tim is uh, smart enough to go on TV and to, if he gets into a relationship, be monogamous about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So we return from the date to the realisation that Brit and Tim are in fact vibing and Jamie promises to take Conga Brittany on his next single date, which is interesting because it again comes up in the next episode. Mary takes Glenn away for some time. Uh, Glenn reveals himself to be fairly normal. Uh, and then <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> what a turn of events. He's Glenn... so not, he's so normal. He has a Southern cross tattoo. I mean, right, mm. right. A hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then Eleanor takes Glenn away to laugh pretty vociferously at his many humorous quips, uh, including this one where he says, yeah, I'm feeling like I am settling in now. And she shrieks. <laughs> I don't remember that. Is this, right? Is this baseline how funny you have to be if you are stacked and blonde and normal and hot? As a stacked, blonde, normal, hot guy, <laughs> uh, I think I have a fairly good sense of humor on top of it all. Okay. So. You know, the world is your oyster. Um, uh, It's hard to crack open and disappointingly salty when you finally get in there. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, Look, Kieran takes Cass away, uh, much to Abby's disappointment, and then there's some more Frankenbitten women fighting. I'm not sure if we're really being given given enough of Cass yet to properly get it with her, you know, uh, because we didn't see that much of her personality outside of the fact that she owns a business... Yeah. last season either. So what we do get instead is Mary really leaning in to speak directly to the camera. You know, we watch her talk. So we talk about Frankenbites before. This is the opposite, where you can see someone saying to the camera, uh, look, Kieran and Abby, uh, we know how Abby reacts when she doesn't get what she wants, and she will represent to the audience the voice of, like, this anti-Abby faction in the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so Eleanor then says that Abby should uh, think about her emotions. Lol. How often do you have to get told to do that? Ooh, happy. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, hungry. Is that an emotion? I wonder. <laughs> Sad. I don't Sad. like it. And then we see Kieran and Abby together shacked up in the bed for three hours. Sorry, did That's you say plenty sh- of time. Did you say shacked? Shacked. Okay. I, thought maybe, I didn't hear the K. Shacked. <laughs> Shat the bed. <laughs> um, yeah, it was interesting because there, there was uh, commentary. I can't remember who it was from, but saying that they slept together or they spent the night together or whatever. It was three hours. I, I wonder if three hours is a long time in paradise. I mean, so what happens is that Kieran and, and Cass go away for this chat where they're definitely flirting, and um, he, she says uh, to Kieran like what she thinks her perspective what his perspective of her is, where she's like, I think you might think that I be, might be cute. And Kieran's like, cute or hot. And he's like, hot. But they don't Ugh. kiss. It's gross. It's weird. Um, but as a result of that, they don't kiss. Um, Cass is still getting to know him. And 
there's the Renee factor that um that is obviously hanging over her head. And yeah, it sort of ends up that Kieran's like, well, if I'm not getting it there, maybe I'll try it out over here. And we start to see that manifest more and more over the next hour of television as we get into The Bachelor in Paradise Season 3, Episode 2, and the boys are in love with their own dicks. <laughs> <laughs> they sure are. They really are. I, I mean, it's such a, like, uh, boysy, menzy kind of grossy thing to be doing. But it's like Kim and Tieran. No, other Kim way around. Kim <laughs> Tim and Kieran, both in their budgies, both out on the board, showing off the hardware. I don't know. It's like, uh, but it's also I don't know. Why are we? Let's 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 you know. Let's take a um, a zoomed out perspective here. Why are we so in love with our penises? Um, I couldn't tell you. Speaking about my own, it's very good. Uh huh. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's, that's a, that's a very interesting question. Um, mm. and, and also I think why is the show like, you know, like there's dicks everywhere in paradise. Right. Right. A hundred percent. There's dicks everywhere, everywhere, you know, like it's, it's interesting that it is such a point of focus. And like, if you are just switching on the telly with your, whoever you're in fucking lockdown with, if it's your partner or your grandma or whatever, and you're like, Oh, I like this show. Let's check it out. And it's like, Dicks in paradise. Like, <laughs> is it it's maybe just an time... interesting way to kick off the episode? Yeah, well, I was thinking, you know, we, this is the third season of Bachelor in Paradise and yeah. we haven't really seen much horniness. So maybe this is the horny season where, yeah. we, you know, this is it. Channel 10's like warmed us up and now we're getting the real, you know, big brother, like uncut yeah, version, true. you know? <laughs> <laughs> I will say like American Bachelor in Paradise is extremely horny and oh, yeah. very vocally horny. Like it's not like buried under the innuendo and sort of uh, like winking in jokes and stuff like it often is in Australian uh, batchy. So yeah. maybe we're just trying to, or Warner Brothers or whoever is just trying to um, lean towards that uh, in a more... Scandalous and shocking way. <laughs> right, right. We are very conservative, so, you know. We're conservative here, uh, you know, uh, much to the chagrin of the people who maybe do want to be doing a bit of horniness on the TV. And here's yeah. the thing. I'm pro-dick. Like, okay. I'm, I'm enthusiastic about, like, th- there is an imbalance in the amount of nudity or scandalousness or whatever between genders in media. Interesting. And in film mm-hmm. and in that sort of thing. Uh, and you know, maybe these aren't the two particular dicks that I want to see, uh, at seven thirty <laughs> on my Thursday evening, <laughs> but like, you know, on a, on a conceptual level, I'm behind it. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, uh, too many dicks on the paddleboard is where, is where <laughs> I stand with it. Um, so now's the time for us probably to start taking it couple by couple. I want to start with Brittany and the whole journey that we go on with her through this episode. Now, I just want to quickly check which one you're talking about, and there might be some kind of test that we could perform. Great. Okay, cool. Um, I think that we will have to do the um, Brit- Britmas test. Yeah, the Christmas test. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. <laughs> yep. Um, so, Brittany starts by saying, Tim is definitely out of the picture. He's painted a new picture without me in it. This woman is a fucking treasure. She really does have some great one-liners. Yeah. You know, yeah. she she's great with her uh, language. She's, oh, 
phenomenal and incredible and confessional. And it's the sort of thing where, like, I don't know, it's it's exciting every time that she opens her mouth because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, she has now laid anchor with Jamie, who will be other, the other half of this quote-unquote couple as we go through here. Uh, so she generously describes him as not that bad, which <laughs> I really liked. Um, while Jamie uh, lays out the platitudes, he says, uh, Brittany is the coolest person in the house apart from Tim. She is infectious. Yeah. Infectious. So uh, you, there's this interesting like um, thing that they're playing up between Jamie and Tim mm. where I think they think it's very, very funny that these two guys are getting to know one another and enjoying each other's company. Yeah. Because they think it's truly sensational that two men should have some kind of camaraderie or whatever. And they play like <laughs> the like horny fuck jams and like <laughs> do these slow zooms. And it's like all because we're like in we're already in the mix with like crotch shots and like it's just like a really uncomfortable <laughs> environment for this type of thing to be happening. Um but yeah, it's another one of these like um what if there were queer people type of like, wouldn't it be funny if sort right. of uh, situations, which I found very annoying. So this is a thing. It's, I just love the angle of the unrequited bromance. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good angle. I don't think they need to like sexualize it or. Um, Not at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's super true. Um, so what happens here is that Jamie takes all of the boys aside to discuss his options because at this point he's now promised his rose to three separate women in paradise being Abby, Cass, and Brittany. So he's Can I just quickly check how many roses that he has? So to give away? Let me hang on. Just do a quick head count, maybe. Just carry the one yeah, it's one. Yeah, it's only one. Yeah. yeah. He so does that's have less a single rose. Than three. See this kind of um this actually made me like Jamie a little bit. Yeah. It's the redemption. I was like yep. he just wants everyone to have a good time. Yeah, that's kind. That's kind of sweet, right? And so, like, let's. I feel like now is probably as good as a time as any to talk about Jamie because I think that he's exactly as you say. He wants everyone to have uh, a good time. He's got this kind of a lot of naivety and not a lot of maybe like social awareness, which means that he tries hard but ultimately can't end up getting out of his own way. And I fully take your point. Like he. Uh, look, do we have to deal with this on the TV right now in the middle of a pandemic? Maybe not. But at the same time, like, it's the sort of character who Channel 10 will make an absolute meal of because of the amount of unawareness that there is to him. But I think in real life, he strikes me as someone who is probably, you know, uh, well-meaning and like like Ivan. You remember Ivan from last season? Yeah. You remember oh, how, how bad we things forget? went? Remember how bad things went for him? That yes. was really bad. But I think what we learned from Ivan was that he kind of learned his lesson through that experience, at least I hope. And I think that probably what we're we're going to end up seeing from, from Jamie and what I hope we end up seeing is a little bit of that, like, um, if Tim particularly is to invest his time in Jamie and to string him along and be like, buddy, this is how we do it, uh, I can see that being like a real redemption from for a nice man who's trying hard. I guess the way and the way I look at at the cases of like um Ivan and maybe Jamie sure. is that while 
I enjoy seeing them work through these things and come out on the other side a better person. I think that makes for a good narrative on TV. Uh, and I think it leaves me feeling better about the situation. It's also like, you can do that stuff without it being on TV <laughs> and you can like, I, you know, yeah. there, there's a part of me that's like, I don't want people to sign a contract, go on a reality show and then treat it as therapy when they should right. probably just be seeking therapy, I guess. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there are a lot of ways that you can improve your life without necessarily um, uh, foisting the negative parts of your personality onto a bunch of other people in a captive setting and also onto a television public. Because sure. it's just, it makes the show a lot more uncomfortable. Right. But it's always been part of it. It's like baked into the crust. Mm. Um, yeah. Of reality TV that like any show, it's not a bachelor specific thing by any means. Um, there are very few reality sh TV shows that don't have some element of like hideous men, <laughs> like, some kind of horrible controversy involving like yeah. um, really uncomfortable behavior. Um, so maybe I just need to like shut up or like do a podcast about a different like, <laughs> podcast about something else. I don't know. Yeah. I mean the cultural climate though, like we're, we're saying like you can do this by seeking therapy. I don't know that uh, I would guess, or at least my guess would be that that's not something that's on the radar. A lot of these men, particularly older men um, who are maybe not seeing or seeking avenues for self-improvement, but are seeking avenues to be on the TV. Mm. you know mm. um and that's what it comes down to for me is like it's the awareness factor where like i don't think it's his fault necessarily that he's been cast on this tv show to play the role that he's playing mm. you know like mm. he's n not um fully aware of what is going to be done to him yeah and he probably enters it with that it's the the naivety which isn't an excuse for anyone's bad behavior and it certainly doesn't excuse um, uh, saying someone saying a firm no to you and you being relentlessly pursuant of it, if that's something that, you know, we come to see, mm. all this kind of stuff. Um, but it is to say that I can do the maths in such a way that I can see that he ends up as a man trying to do his best in the world who ends up on TV and gets picked on because of who he is. Mm. And I'm open to seeing a bit of redemption for that reason. For sure. I think it'd be cool if there was somebody on the show, maybe Osha, although I guess he's kind of filling a different role, but maybe like even like Weiss. Is it Weiss or Weiss? Weiss, the, yeah, like, yeah. Well, like some kind of uh, person who is on the show who is not a contestant, who is not in the game, so yeah. to speak, who they can kind of bounce these things off a little bit. Right, like because, a guidance counselor situation. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I would hope and I, I believe that there is like a, a psychologist or yeah. um, a therapist or something that is on staff for this show and most shows like it, I guess. Uh -huh. um, but I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm. this is like some fucking stupid like leftist fantasy version <laughs> of... of Batchy, but like it would be cool if some of those conversations were happening a bit more out in the open, or if not, you know, if they're already happening out in the open, then maybe with somebody who is a bit more well equipped to deal with them than just being caught up in it, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think, like, you know, the one I, if you want to try to if glean a positive out of any of this is that, um, the, that type of uh, behaviour, which we could maybe say is uh, possessive or controlling, um, being on the television, even though we all know it's edited to fuck, um, the outrage and reaction to seeing that, it was very prominent 
And I think that's, you know, that's almost a good reflection on that. You know, it's kind of saying like, we don't accept this, even though you're putting it on Mm. our television, like you can open up that conversation by seeing that. Mm. So, you know, I think um, especially with Ivan last year, um, we saw him with Tennille, which was like, you know, very almost controlling, possessive type of crush. And we didn't like seeing that on television. Mm, I'm mm. sure Tennille could hold her own and probably told him to piss off, but... Hmm. You know, there was there was significant outrage about that, and rightly so. Yeah, and you're right. I think I think it is a healthy thing to hear a consensus, generally speaking, of people responding to that the way that you would hope, and uh, and that is heartening. You know, yeah, yeah. to look, be able to look around you and be like, yes, Australia is also uh, upset about this thing, which I find yeah. upsetting. You know, <laughs> this more plays into um, the Tim and Brit narrative that is coming up in a while, but I do want to touch on. Jamie's wingmanning skills real quick because this was a true highlight of the second episode for me where Jamie uh, is trying to put in the sales pitch to Brit about Tim who has already like, they're already together. They're as good as paradise married at this point. And Jamie's like, he's a good guy. And he's got this like full foot in mouth disease going on where Tim is like eventually going to end up grabbing Brit and being like, let's go. And then he like in the middle of the conversation just picks her up and like, they leave the they leave the situation, and it's the exact same thing that happens when Jamie pulls all the boys aside to talk about what on earth he's going to do with the three roses that he has promised to three mm. different women. Mm-hmm. And Tim's like, "Nope, got to go. See ya." And then he's out on the fucking paddleboard in the middle of the ocean like that. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. not be involved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Tim's thing is like, um, and maybe we see this a little bit from Kieran too. It's like flight reacts only, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He yep. is just like, well, up, got to go. Can't be in this. See you later. Hmm. I mean, the thing is, like, Tim and uh, Jamie could very well have a great relationship outside of this franchise. Again, oh, like I said, don't, don't follow him on Instagram, so I don't know if that's a thing. Um, but obviously, being together all the time. <laughs> ja- what does Jamie say? He ca- talks to Tim on the phone 20 times a day. 20 times a day. You know who's making that phone call, and it's right. not Tim. Right. <laughs> Sounds like you are being hung up on 20 times a day. <laughs> yeah. Somebody is trying like, very hard to end this conversation. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So, yeah, again, that unrequited bromance thing kind of comes into it, where I feel like Tim's given him as much as he probably can, and Jamie's taken that mile, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, like, it's about how much um, Tim is equipped or is willing to be a leader in this situation of this man who is more than 10 years his senior. Um mm. All of this is to say that our hero, Conga Brittany, Loco Brittany, uh, is still without a rose. So uh, fuck? it's it's cooked. I'm like, hearing that some of these men have up to three roses, and yeah, <laughs> still no one has given us just by the way, one to her. Naringa's got a rose. Why isn't anyone asking Naringa for his rose? Right, hundred percent. Yeah. Um. I mean, from here, like uh, as I say, we want to talk to a couple by couple, and what happens is that Brittany tries to form a couple. With Jamie, she's like, look, we've had this good chat. He says he's going to give me a rose. Let's go on a date. And he tries to, like, she tries to set something up and take him aside. And this dingus shuts it down, you know? And, like, I think everyone is well within their rights to refuse a, uh, to refuse a date if they're simply not feeling it. But sure. at this point, the indication that we've been given by the show is that maybe he was kind of feeling it to the extent that he's promised to give her a rose. Right. And Brittany is on Paradise for a second time. She's a third time? Second Paradise. 
third time in the franchise. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And but she's sitting there, kind of going, "Okay, cool. Well, like Paradise is about exploring it and giving it a chance. And for te- for Jamie not to give it a chance is really heartbreaking for her. You know, she has this big moment to camera and." Like, she talks about how she can't remember what it feels like for someone to be interested in her. And it's so heartbreaking. It yeah. actually, like, it did make... I was crying. I was crying with Brittany. For like, sure. that's yeah. sad. Because, you know, we are seeing uh, the other side of Brittany, which isn't the loco litany Brittany. It's the, the genuine person who wants love. And, yeah, that's very right. upsetting. Yeah. And so this has happened again for her in Paradise. And I wonder at what point, I mean... We're getting further down this like um, left wing bachelor rabbit hole, but it Hell is yeah. like, um, you know, what point does the show have a, an emotional responsibility to protect her? You know, or is it more that like you signed up, you're, you signed your contract, and here you go, and we'll just take full advantage of it? Yeah, that's a hard one, I think, because yeah, you know, um, in a sense that you know, like you said, Jamie isn't obligated to do anything he doesn't want to do, right? As any other man or woman on the island. So, on the you earth. know, oh, on the earth, yeah, exactly. So it is that thing where she's gone into it, she obviously wants to find love, but, you know, it's potentially not there. Yeah. Like, that mm. is a risk. Mm. That's And it seems like to be um, an eventuality for more people than it is not, you know? Mm. And maybe we just feel it more with, with Letney because she is so emotionally vocal and open mm. and... Uh, I guess her highs are so high that when you see it kind of come crashing down, like, the, you know, there are other people who are unlucky in love or who, you know, have advances rejected in, sure. in paradise and we don't really care as much. Mm. Um, maybe it's just that we're so happy for her to be so happy. And we, I just you know, really feel like they haven't brought a character that's really to up to her level in personality. I thought it was going to be Tim. You know? Well, yeah, we go. I think so as well. But, um, you know, I think two personalities that are like that can be pretty intense. Yeah, Mm. Um, like magnets. Yeah. But, you know, someone who's like just a little bit crazy but not too crazy. Yeah. Mm. Jamie is really the perfect guy in the grand scheme of things. But at the same time, I really feel like Brittany just kind of was like, he's my last option. Then worked out, oh, he's actually not so bad. And yeah, so again, like that rejection obviously hurts because she went into it not even really into him. Yeah. And then she did kind of get into him. Mm. And then he was like, no, like that's devastating. Yeah, it sucks. It really sucks for her. And she's a treasure and she has no idea if she's getting Jamie's rose or not up until the very last minute. But first, we still have to sit through all of this stuff where like um, Jamie is explaining that there might be something between himself and Eleanor which is presented what? as a huge lull. Right. Mm. Um, you, very conspicuously, we're not shown anything by the show of the two of them, even so much as interacting mm. before Jamie brings it up as a romantic possibility. Um, so it feels really out of the blue. And then we get that straight confessional from Eleanor where you hear the producer asking, is there anything going on with Jamie? And she's like, what? Ha ha. Of course not. No, very yeah. much no. She thinks they're kidding. Like it's, there's no semblance of a possibility. Right. Um, which again, if you're Tim or if you're Jamie and watching that back, you're like, ah, oh, shit, you know, like, guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like what tree was I barking up? Um, and then he's also kind of like trying it on with Abby a little bit as like one of the stars of the franchise or like one of the people on the poster. Um, and Abby suddenly needs a rose. We'll get to it. 
Uh, and then finally, mercifully, we get to this situation where Jamie's like, okay, cool, I'll do the right thing and give my rose to Brittany. And it's like, what? Where, where, where is this going? I can't forecast what is to happen between them or for either of them. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's very confusing, and it, yeah, it was, it was just a bit messy. Like, just make yeah. up your mind, mate. Right, and that's <laughs> the thing, you know. Like, as much as uh, I sit here with a tremendous amount good, more goodwill in my heart for Jamie than I had last season, in hoping good things for him. Uh, I'm also like, fucking you dumbass. Just just give her the rose. I have a theory about Jamie picking Brittany that uh-huh. night, uh-huh. Um, which is that his mind... Like, I, we can all agree that his mind was not really made up uh, either way or any way um, up until probably that last cocktail party. Um, I honestly think that he saw that, like, orange dress that she was wearing and things changed. <laughs> She did look amazing in that dress, so... She looked great. great, um, But you could tell that he started taking her more seriously again right around that point. He, Mm. like, mentioned a few times that she looked fantastic and, like, um, I agree, like, she looked great, but it's just, (laughs) like, you know, um, I think that's what drew things into focus for him, I think, at that point. It was um, the, the literal bright orange signal. Right, yeah. Who's like, fuck, nothing else is making sense. Like, yeah. let's just go with this, let's like, just gut go with the bright, right shiny thing. Deal with the consequences later. Yeah. Um, let's do, uh, I mean, we kind of leave it there and with, with Brittany and with Jamie. So I think that the next thing that we should do is go to Glenola and Mary next. Mm. Um, because my f- favorite thing from this episode was actually the amount of emotional responsibility that we saw from Glenn. So. There's all of this stuff where um, I want to give Glenn credit. Mary's talking about how Glenn is um, uh, his her baby daddy, um, and she says that in confessional and maybe also to his face. And, you know, we know there's been some DM sliding, and Glenn is like, look, I see you as a friend, and I like Eleanor more. And that's like the – he does it in a way that is kind, and he does it in a way that is firm, and he's just like, okay, thank you. I appreciate you. I think you're a nice person, Mary. And he says, I like you, but I see it going more with this other person. And it's like, this is the cleanest batchy breakup that we maybe Just have seen on this show. The model of clear communication. Like, right. it's incredible. It's fucking awesome. And this is the kind of thing where, like, yeah, like, uh, uh, breakup sex is the best or whatever um, mm. in, from the last episode. But all of a sudden, I'm kind of like, yeah, Glenn's a normal dude. Yeah, he is. He really is. Can yeah. you imagine if everyone on the show was this good at communicating? The show would right. go for ten minutes. You can't be merry and hate him for that. You know, what no. I mean? like you can be disappointed. You can yep. feel rejection, sure, but yeah, he did it all the right way. You, you can't is, hate yeah. him for that at all. Um, so then, Mary sources her rose from Naranga, the only other person of color on the island who, as we have mentioned, has been entirely ignored by production. Do you want to talk about Mary for a little bit? Um, there's what? something... Oh, Christ. There's a, I, oh. <laughs> that is about her. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, we're moving on. <laughs> Next. <sighs> Abby and Kieran and Kieran and Jess. So where we left this was... Uh, you might recall that Abby is stoked that she and Kieran spent three whole hours together last night in her bed um, with someone else in the room, by the way. 
Um, yeah, that's always going to be awkward. Mm. At the group wa- watch that I was at when this happened, there was uh, a lot of uh, there was a tumultuous sort of outcry of uh, speculation about what was happening because there's some kind of little move, this is under the cover sort of hand movement or something, and um, everyone had their own theories about what was going on, uh, which I, I'm sure the show is delighting in because right. you have this like. It's it's like this Big Brother 2003 looking like black and white like seedy like it's not sepia what is it it's like the sickly green like Night glow vision. in the yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah uh, and it's deliberately like we make cameras these days which are quite good but it's deliberately like the fuzziest grainiest like to make yeah. it look even more scandalous right. Uh, yeah. And it's just like left up to your imagination what what happened. Which... And hey, it works because we see it again uh, with with Kieran and Jess a little bit later. Right. And like, I was like, <gasps> no. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you go to an what? ad break? Don't I cut know. that mm. off. I know. Even though I think in that instance we actually only see them kiss. Is that right? Or am I thinking of a different one? Uh, I think. We see them kiss, but it, it is heavily implied in the There's same like way. There's like sex music, and it's the grainy footage, and we see them kiss, and they're like, you know, and I'm like, I don't. <laughs> it's the same thing with a Frankenbite, where it's like, I didn't see that. Don't, right. You know. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say uh, what happens next, because uh, Abby is presented with a date card the following morning, but we don't really know what the date is. She takes Kieran, and they're kind of just like on a beach somewhere, but they're on a beach somewhere anyway. <laughs> so it's that great thing where it's like you've been invited 150 meters away, right? 100. <laughs> percent And as a bonus, there'll be some cheese. Let's go. Yeah, a huge shortage of uh, alcohol at the uh, regular bar, right? And so this is the point uh, at which we start to hear some of this um, goss from Mary and Cass in particular over the top this like slut shaming language that I don't like. Mm. A proper bitch sesh. Honestly, yes. it really is a like high school bitch sesh. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'll say as a woman like we've all done it. Like and <laughs> we're still do it. We're still doing it. Let's <laughs> You know, yeah. they're on an island where they're competing for men. Of course they're going to talk bitchiness mm. like And I yeah. think it is probably uh, particularly for a contestant who is not getting a lot of screen time for their romantic pursuits, like Mary, I think there is in all likelihood a producer saying, if you would like to be on the TV show uh, and if you would like to make sure that you have some airtime, maybe you should say some things about what you think about some of the other contestants and what they're up to. Yeah, about what's happening right now. And Mm. so you get a lot of that language that does form part of the rhetoric for the show and does create like TV drama. But I don't know if it's like uh, particularly responsible TV drama. And it's also part of the reason why I'm really hesitant to engage in a lot of the discourse the show sets up when it comes to exactly as you say, Lauren, women fighting over men, because it's like full of this kind of language and it's, you know, often created rather than naturally arising. I kind of, with the case of Mary, I actually think that Mary is, just joshing most of the time, honestly. Yeah. Like yeah. she is, she's kind of the commentary, like comedian, kind of like Alicia. Uh, Alicia was on her season. Yeah, mm. um, she's, you know, she is saying kind of gross things, and they're maybe not coming across as sarcasm. Do you know mm. what I mean? Right, like, right. You know, to me, that 
Uh, Mary's the type of chick that I could definitely go and have a drink with and have that kind of funny conversation and know yeah. that she wasn't being serious about any of it. Right. Totally. So, I, and, you know, as we said, all the Frankenbites and the editing obviously is very clearly, like, who knows what the fuck anyone's saying. Right. Like, so I'm kind of like, I'm cautious of Mary, but I'm not putting her in the bad basket just yet. Right. Totally, yeah. I've seen a huge amount of vitriol, like, level towards Mary from people in bachelor comment groups and that sort of thing right. about how, you know, she's a bitch and she sits there bitching about the others the whole time or whatever. And it's like, that's clearly not what's going on. Like, I, mm. I agree with you. I think she is largely joking um, or at least largely not being very serious or yeah. not taking this yeah. very she's seriously. She's having fun with it. Yeah, exactly. And I think the show is deliberately taking that out of context. Um, I think the show knows that they can do this. They did it to her on her season uh, and again, she's just like sliding back into that same role. Yeah, she's down yeah. for it. She's here to play the role that she's here to play. And it is a shame. I think that is a bit of an archetype with people of color and largely yep. women of color yes. in reality TV. Fuck yeah. Um, yep. And I don't know. I'm trying to think of more examples from Bachelor to back this up, but it's certainly something that you observe across other shows. Yeah, the um, the um, sassy black commentator. Yeah. yeah. Who who. Because we don't, or the show doesn't view them as a genuine romantic possibility because yeah. of their uh, racial background, um, they are instead, you know, a uh, commentator and they are doing the emotional heavy lifting of the storytelling and that yeah. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's yuck. Right. And this is the thing because, like, it, it, it is uh, exactly as you're saying, they're put in these situations to respond to questions that are being asked of them and whether or not they're responding in jest or not. I'm wondering, Lauren, if we can talk about like what you do behind the camera to get the most out of a shoot. You know what I mean? To get the optimal results from someone. Uh, you know, the ultimate thing in taking a photo of a person is to make that person comfortable because, you know, that is when you're going to get their best side. And, you know, I know we've done a very, very brief shoot, Max, um, and, you know, we're friends, so that's quite easy working with friends where, you know, we can just relate on a level and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a jokester, you know, this, like, you mm-hmm. know, I'm always mm-hmm. joking and trying to be hilarious. Uh, it doesn't always work. <laughs> um, but, you know, my... The way I do it is to, yeah, I find the comfort and try to get to the level and then I take the photo when I feel like that's the you're, – you're doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And the I think the uh, I would say the same thing about producing radio and producing talent for radio. You know, your um, – the pre-interview, you know, the way that you set them up to feel comfortable with you is almost more important and your bedside manner is what is going to manufacture greater – um, results absolutely because like what happens is you you form genuine relationships and friendships with those people and so they assume goodwill on your part and mm. you receive it back from them in uh the creation of whatever you're creating it's actually amazing like some of the things that people will tell me in a shoot that yeah you, know, you just go off on tangents and like yeah people will get real personal because uh, you mm. do you you get to that level of comfort and like exactly like you're saying like the producer's have built up this level of comfort with the contestants. 100%. They're people they've already dealt with, you know, they've got the relationship. So, yeah, they're going to do a Mary and just say whatever the hell they want. Right. And if you're a subject um, of uh, a situation like that, how do you ensure uh, comfort on your own part? Like if you're feeling uncomfortable, what can you do? 
uh, me personally, I'm I'm just uncomfortable 100 percent of the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> fake, fake it, fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Um, but I, I imagine you know uh, there's also something to be said, and I'm sure that there are publicists and people who go, don't ask questions about this, or you know, uh, this this person's best side is whatever. I'm speaking very very generally, but you know, um, being able to follow the guidelines of um, whatever a, a boundaries a person sets is also pretty important. Oh, big time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, mm. you know, never make someone do something they're uncomfortable with. That's silly. Yeah. Um, you know, if if it's not working, it's not working. Just let it go. That's yeah. that's it. Yeah. And obviously, as you say, the duality of this show is that you're capitalizing on these relationships, you know, um, and one might argue exploiting them sometimes to tell a story that is different to the way that it played out in in reality. And that's sort of what I'm interested in getting to the the bottom of there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, Abby and Kieran, here's, here's where we're at. We're on a beach. We are making out. Wait, you? Uh, <laughs> I didn't see you there. Uh, a second brupple date? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it doesn't take long before they are, uh, in fact, uh, lock and lips. They barely pop the champagne before that. Right. They're not it mucking around. Like, the worst. Do you know? It was actually. I actually found that really uncomfortable. Did you? Um, if we're talking about this, like the scene, Abby yeah. pops a champagne, and then it was just basically a stare down before Kieran succumbed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he was just like, "Oh fuck it, I'll just make out with you." Yeah, I don't. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if the um, response that you want before someone kisses you is "fuck it." It's <laughs> um, <laughs> true. Uh, I don't know if that signals good things for your relationship in the future. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I I will say like this is two people who know how to be on TV. Also, making a point of giving the people what they want. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. much discourse well, was there? Like at the end of last season, being like, "Fuck!" If Abby got together with Kieran, how good would that be? Yeah, it's full. It fully feels like fan service, which is crazy because it's what Abby wanted, like also quite true. explicitly. Yeah, but. Also, it feels like, yeah, someone wrote it in a little, like, GeoCities or, you know, Fur Affinity or whatever. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, probably not Fur Affinity. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> All right, well. What is it? DeviantArt? No, that's another. All right, enough of my fav- <laughs> favorite bookmarks. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I can see that you're, uh, you're also logged on to Habbo Hotel here mm. uh, at this time. Fuck it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, so it looks like uh, what happens is that Abby and Kieran kind of have a have a makeout sesh on the beach, and we don't see any more of their date. And what we instead see is uh, a new arrival in the house. So um, she is described. Uh, hang on, I have it here somewhere. As because I didn't like it when it happened. Um, a shiny new arrival in voiceover, Ugh, and I was like, Yuck. yeah. Uh, it's Jess, who uh, you might remember from Matt Agnew's season of The Bachelor. Lauren, you described her as like Jessica Rabbit, but with tats. Talk to me about the Jessica Rabbit part of it. Uh, well, she's got giant fake boobs, uh-huh. um, which she's not afraid to show off and flaunt. Uh-huh. What did she say? Her personality and charisma, I think she named <laughs> them. I believe so, yeah. Um, and, you know, oh, I mean, if she was wearing a red dress, you would, she would have actually looked pretty much exactly like Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, she 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 is a lady who knows what she wants, and I think that was very obvious uh, as she strutted into the island. Right, and so this is the thing where you, you called her a bad bitch, 
Like, yeah. I think there's something about, about Jess that's pretty cool for that reason. You know, like yeah. she knows what I, she wants I, and she's like, fuck yeah, let's do it. That was definitely me saying that in a positive way. Totally. Like, yeah. Big yeah. time. Big time. Yeah. yeah. It's a um, similar thing to what I like about Abby is like, yeah. she's just like, I'm not under any illusions that this is like, you know, I'm just going to come here and do what I want to do. Yeah. And, you know, like, if it doesn't go the way that I want it to, I can leave and feel fine. You know? Right. Yeah. And the exactly. particular thing about that personality type, or you can get dumped on a rock. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> leave and not feel very fine. But uh, the, the thing about that personality type is that it really, uh, it leads to great drama. Because if people are just going to do what they want to do, regardless of agenda, uh, and, and just sort of carve their own path... It's there, some hearts are going to be broken, and in the regardless process. of the other people who are surrounding them on the right, one hundred percent, yeah. And so Jess uh, walks in to much fanfare from the men, and then to this from Cass, where she says, "You've lost so much weight." Uh, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. Uh, and that the whole thing about her being a pocket rocket as well, yeah, it's also like not good. That was a Jake Ellis comment. That one, but um. <laughs> Here's where I'm turning big time against Cass. Yeah. Uh, Mary aside, Mary ain't the issue. That is just the one of the most passive-aggressive, disgusting things to say to mm. someone. Um, yeah. She even preempted that with, oh, she's here, she's a bitch. Like, she's already mm. put her in the box. They obviously didn't get along in the season of Matt Agnew. Um yeah, Cass, I don't know, mate. Get and also the whispering of, like, straight away you hear the um, the prejudice against sex work coming straight through where she's like, she's a stripper. Oh, yeah. She's that tattooed stripper. It's like in a way that makes you completely it's, sure that she thinks that's not a cool thing. Which, like, who cares? Honestly, pretty cool. It sort of is the thing where you see that and I would hope that uh, there would probably be a level of self-reflection uh, from from Cass having watched that play out on TV and having heard Jess's reaction to it as well because she was clearly hurt. Oh, well, yeah, like, Jesus. That's, uh, yeah. You know, there's a way uh, to tell someone they look good if they've lost weight and it's not, geez, you've lost a lot of weight. <laughs> right, yes. 100%. I think the preoccupation with the smallness of people's bodies, both in terms of them being a quote-unquote pocket rocket or them having lost weight, um, speaks to some internalized fat phobia, um, which isn't interrogated in any way. And also, like, specifically with the term pocket rocket, I think it speaks to some sort of obsession with, like, um, you know, reinforcing one's own masculinity by uh, uh, diminishing the scale of, um, I'm laughing even though it's not very funny, but like, mm. um, you know, like this obsession with women being like small and powerless and like, uh, I don't know, the whole thing creeps me out. It's very yuck. Yeah. It's like something yeah. that is completely socially acceptable and um, on any further interrogation is like pretty messed up. Yeah, uh, it's also perhaps um, to hint at a little bit of an obsession with the movie Cars. <laughs> Talk well. me through that. Talk me through that. Well, I mean, Lightning McQueen, you know, he's like a, he's like a pocket rocket, you know? Like, he's just like, <laughs> pew! Look, I mean, he's he's small, he's felt. Yeah. But honestly, I mean, that's a, that's, you know, we can look at the design of those cars and yeah. think, like, a big truck is also very good and useful. And right. in fact, there are a lot of great cars in the movie Cars, um, like Maida, <laughs> yep. who has a lot of pulling power. Mm. Maybe he's not the brightest uh, car, you know, not the brightest, shiniest headlights on the uh, uh, racetrack. He's not a shiny new arrival. 
No, exactly. But, you know, he has his strengths <laughs> within the cars universe. <laughs> Look, I'll say I've also been described as a pocket rocket. Um, uh-huh. That's not because I'm a sexy bitch like Jess. Uh, it's purely because I'm five foot tall and I'll tell you how it is. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, definitely um, I don't think that's what they were getting at when they were talking about Jess. Absolutely not. I feel like mm. it was more like a sexual innuendo. Yeah. Well, I thought a pocket rocket was a dick. Oh. I thought that... <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe it was that was what that was. Okay. Well, look, Xavier, whatever rockets your pocket. Um, <laughs> more pocket rockets on TV. <laughs> I'm starting my campaign. Um, we uh, we come back to uh, Kieran and Abby arriving from their date. They're not holding hands. Ooh, no controversy. Oh, no. And basically, what happens is they're sign. broken off. Yeah, into two camps, and all the women are with Abby, and they're like, "Tell me more, tell me more." <laughs> and then uh, all the boys are like, "Tell me more, tell me more." And uh, Abby's version of it is like, "We just clicked, you know. There was so much chemistry. Mm. The banter was nonstop." Yeah. And then uh, Kieran's version of it was like, "No, nah, not feeling it. Uh, just think we're going to be friends there. Also, we hooked up." Yeah, because why waste time on a date when you can pash on even though you don't like someone? This is it. You know what I mean? You pash on and then you get back to the island and then you pash on with Jess, which is what happens next. That was 35 seconds. (laughs) Right. Literally like half a minute of screen time and Kieran is back and he's in with someone else. And so this is the danger I think that Kieran faces is being seen as, particularly now that we are going to introduce a fourth woman in his life next episode. Mm. Like, the danger that he faces is being branded as, like, a womanizer or, like, being shown as a rat of some description. Yeah. I um I said to my friend earlier this week that I'm pretty sure the tattoo on Kieran's neck says fuck boy in cursive writing that you can't read. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's yeah. the thing, because it I think it draws into focus this um, uh, contrast between Kieran and Abby who I think, you know, while not doing the exact same things, are kind of, you know, painted with a, a similar brush of being, you know, uh, overly horny and wanting to um, mash up against everyone. And um, I mean, I is that so bad? Rights, but like, it's that's, not bad. But they're but that's on the their thing. island for that reason, right? Totally. Yeah. I completely agree. But but I think, like, what, what Kieran... What, what Abby is not allowed to get away with or what she draws an immense amount of spite from uh, the, the people of Australia and the viewing public for yeah. is basically the same thing that Kieran does and is kind of hailed as... I mean, I, I on so one cheeky. level... Right, that's the thing. On one level, I kind of want him... Not that I think that he is a rat, but I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world for him to... Uh, for that to be more of a part of his identity if that's the way that people are going to treat a woman who does the similar thing. Sure. Absolutely. And, it just know, speaks to what we allow men to get away with and what we won't allow from women. And what yep. level of emotional responsibility we have. Mm. Yeah. So um, let's cover off the rest of the roses now because uh, so Jake Ellis uh, ends up getting together with Cass. This mm. is a conversation that appears to happen just before the rose ceremony and just after Abby is trying to have a conversation with Jake Ellis, which she walks away from saying... He's boring, mm. which I really thought yeah, was fair, uh, fair assessment. Choice. Fair assessment, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, okay, who else have we got here? 
Um, oh, uh, Tim and Britt. So they go on a, a nice little date as well. They're in the bath. They're making out. There's nothing really to be said or done here other than Tim describing himself as a baby giraffe when he's in the water. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> Which I really liked. But that also plays out and is a narrative that we're going to end up keep, you know, keep going on with. Um, and I feel like that could be a nice little couple to leave paradise. There's a great shot on their date in the bath where it cuts pretty abruptly from them during the day kissing in the bath to them during the night in the exact same position, still kissing in the bath. That's cute. And it's like a time-lapse looking thing that makes it seem like they haven't moved in like six hours. <laughs> Which is also kind of lovely, right? Like Tim uh, talks about how good the kiss is and how passionate it is. And it is one mm. of the nicer TV kisses that we've had on the show. Sure, yeah, I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, it yeah. was great. So I, I hope for, for good things for them and... I kind of think that that's it. That's that's how Rose is covered off, which uh, leaves Abby to go home, much disgust, and also feel horrible because I just I just don't remember what her name is. Janie. 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 That's right. Janie's rough, gone. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> what a memorable run it was. Look, um, she tried. She really, she she, really uh, she had a good crack with Tim. Um, yeah, the writing was on the wall for her, though. Really, look, that's that's the unfortunate situation. Maybe there's like a Redemption Island style uh, um, situation where um, Janie is like out making her own fires, building her own <laughs> like whatevers, and has to compete in challenges to get to have a shot to get back in the game at some point. I'd like to see that. Yeah, as much as it is not. The largest conceivable bump to our traffic that I could think of. Yeah. I would be very interested in having Janie on the podcast. Yeah. Because she was so backgrounded. Sure, dog. On both of her appearances. Yep. I would just like to be like, listen, welcome. You can talk for an hour. Yeah. Let us know who you are. Like, (laughs) just what's going on with Janie? Who are you? What's in your life? And what did you observe as well? Like, imagine having that kind of benefit of being a fly on the wall of that process without having to necessarily be involved in the drama. What a dream. Janie, get on it. Look, Janie came off great. Yeah. Yeah, I think she did. And, um, you know, to the producer's credit, they did give her a little bit of time um, to, you know... We kind of got to know a little bit about her, which was nice. And Totes. we know that Tim was vibing off of her, so she's obviously a good personality. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think there's more room for Janie in the Bachelor in Paradise franchise, for sure. For Ooh. sure. And that is, uh, that's kind of where we leave it. That's where we land for these first two episodes of a new season of Bachelor in Paradise. Lauren, thank you so much for oh being a part of this with us. Thank you so much. What a it's pleasure so talking nice about this. to be able to unpack it with someone. You know, and uh, I really like. I pe- I really appreciate that feeling of uh, of you coming on and just you know playing it where it lays. Uh, th- uh, thank you, Max. Um, I will say uh, if you do ever run across my recaps, my recaps are all in jest. Like I said, I really don't care about these people. Um, but on, like, I come from a good place. Uh, I'm really just reacting to what I'm seeing on television. Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so where it's can a we real read your pleasure recaps? to have you. How can we find you? Where can we read your recaps? Oh, you just just plug in my name on Facebook, which is Lauren Connolly, double N E W L Y. They're on public, so you don't even have to friend me. You can just read them. 
Tell you what we might do is uh, share a couple of them into the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group on Facebook. Good call. Yeah, I think that might be a nice way to do that later this week. If you are not involved, if you want to get around it, jump in uh, Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting on Facebook. We'll share a couple in there. Yeah, get on board. Where else can we find you on social media? So lala.photo is my website. You can check out some photos there. You can buy prints if you want, or you can hit me up on Instagram, which is underscore lalaphoto. Wonderful. Lauren, thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Come back anytime. Oh, please, have me, have me again. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> well, Savy. Well, Maxwell. I, hang on, I got to move my microphone around. Uh, how am I going to do? Why do you have to do that? Because I want to look at you when oh, I'm talking. I, see. To you. I thought it was you like know? it's been going fine. Should I swim, swim, swim around? Nah, 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 nah. Well, Xavi. Well, Maxwell. Here we go. Hello. Another friendship in the books. Oh, we did it. We nailed it. I actually really like this because, like, coronavirus, I'm not getting out that much. It's a little hard to meet new people. Yeah. But it's great to just have a parade of friendly faces coming by the uh, the Zoom. The BOH studio, baby. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. BOHHQ. Oh. <laughs> Pronounce that. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, thank you and hello also to you for joining us. Ha- has been a, a real nice time. A pleasure being back uh, in your ears. And thank you for listening with us through two more episodes of Paradise. Hey, guess what? There's three next week. Yeah, we're <laughs> really in for it. They're doing this thing again where they torture us. Yeah. Uh, they roast us alive in a, on a spit or something. Yeah. Um, look, um, it's Fiji. It's traditional, you know? I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I'm excited. Uh, we, it, we, we've had enough time away from this show that like, I'm willing to just completely submerge into it. For sure. Um, we also heard that I think Bachelor, regular Bachelor, is airing pretty soon after Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah. So we are in it for the long haul, guys. Um, no more unfulfilled promise bonus episodes yeah. um, or anything like that. I think we're here to stay and I'm very excited to be back. Yeah. Um, it's been far too long. So thank you if you are joining us again or if you're joining us for the first time. Hello. We love you. We actually did come here to make friends. Yeah, it's really true. Mm. I've been looking for a few more. Yeah. Um, Twitter, uh, Instagram, you can find us at BOHpod. <laughs> Oh, she wants to leave. Meow. I know. We want to leave too. Um, as Max mentioned, you can find us also on my friend Mark Zuckerberg's website called Facebook uh, at the Bachelor of Hearts Osh Posting Group. That's right. I'm at Max Quinn, wherever you are, and Xavier, you're at Xavier RN. That's correct. Sick. All right. Well, we might as well get out of here because I think we'll so. be back soon enough. Yes, indeed. With three more episodes to recap. Up until that time, don't drink the carver, ladies and gentlemen. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.